today's episode is going to be a little different. I'm going to be reading to you from the new manuscript, The Eight Ball Magic of Susie Q. It is the second book in the nine-book series, The Luke and Time Mysteries. Uh, directly follows the events of the nine lives of Marva DeLonghi, and I've written it to stand alone for readers who come to the series and haven't read The Nine Lives of Marva DeLonghi. You'll have everything in here that you need to just start right off and get going. But if you've read the first book, there will be some fun tokens along the way. And as the series progresses, I will stop writing the books to stand alone. You can hear Chewy. He wants to say hello. Hi, Chewy. There you go. So uh, this book will stand alone. In future books, a little bit less so because it'll just encumber the story. Even J.K. Rowling did that with the Harry Potter books, the first three, uh, through The Prisoner of Azkaban. You could read without really having to have started uh, with The Sorcerer's Stone, um, or if you're on the other side of the ocean, I believe that it was called um, something different. <laughs> it was still a stone, though, I believe. Maybe it was called The Sorcerer's Rock or A Magician's down or something. Anyways, without further ado, uh, I'm not going to do any voices for you. Uh, and I will let you know that I plan to put the entire audiobook read by me behind my paywall on Substack. So if for some reason you prefer my less theatrical reading of this book to the lovely Exy Sands, who I'm paying to read the book professionally, uh, and you can buy that through links on my, my podcast's right now or my website. Um, if you prefer my reading of it, you can sign up to be uh, a subscriber to my Substack, and I will start putting this behind the paywall. But that's not a first priority. I do have books that I have to write on deadline, so I will get to these as I am able. Um, but that is one option. So I've noted that uh, we're going to skip any music today. This is 100% just me looking at a screen, reading to you, because my books to you is what I want to give you the most. No distractions. Chapter 1. Since Lyle left, I hated breakfast, hated food, which couldn't explain why I spent the first two hours of every morning at Leo's diner, down the block from my office, staring at the perfect egg, sunny side up, yolk so yellow it popped like a bullet to the brain. I think I always meant to eat, but I just couldn't get around to it. Nicotine and bourbon seemed to be my only companions as I pieced together what some would call a workaholic's existence and others would call an endless bender. I recently wrapped a case for a gynecologist who lost, of all things, her cockatiel. As she was cutting the final check for services rendered, she told me if I didn't plan to ixnay the cancer sticks at least breakfast was all that stood between me and an early grave. I didn't have the heart to tell her I've died ten times already, not that anyone believes me anyway. Just as I was spiking my coffee with the last Magdalene from my flask, the bell jingled over the front door, and the neighborhood psychic walked in. If Janis Joplin and the 1950s Pan Am flight attendant had fallen into a taffy puller, the rope of candy that shot out the ass end would have looked nearly about the way the woman who approached my table did. Her eyes popped behind glasses like librarians in a Tarantino flick might wear, and she had the sort of looks newly pubescent boys learn to avert their eyes from, lest they discover the meaning of blue balls. Listen to me, getting all poetic. I beg your pardon. Perhaps I'd hit the bourbon too enthusiastically for eight in the morning. 
She caught me off guard when she, the psychic that is, helped herself to the empty chair opposite me at the table. Let's pretend we don't know each other. She smelled like strawberry jam and hemp, the kind you smoke. I flicked my lighter, not like I needed the practice. That shouldn't be hard. Other than the occasional unsolved case where a client fired me and tried her hand at prognostication to learn if her husband was the cheating bastard she knew he was, the psychic and I had no reason to associate. She paid her rent. Mine got paid, too, when the landlord cornered me. Okay, that's not entirely true. Lyle paid up through the end of the year after he took the new job, as if that excused his betrayal. I twitched my hand in the general direction of her aura. Crystal ball stopped working. The only thing more annoying than pious religious people are woo-woo peddlers, the ones who believe their bullshit and sell a future so vague it could apply to anyone. And in case you're curious, that includes politicians. Campaign promises can go fuck themselves. Miss Fortune Teller reached into her coat pocket and came out with two shooters of Magdalene. Would have cost her all of three bucks at Big Bear across the road. For you. No one ever butters you up for nothing. I sipped my coffee and made a point of not touching the offered liquor. I don't break laws, and I don't give friends and family discounts. You might think I was behaving presumptuously, assuming the lady meant to engage me for an investigation. But what kind of detective would I be if I couldn't smell desperation? And I don't accept bribes. On second thought, I made like Houdini and disappeared the bourbon because thirst is elusive and I'm a hunter. Susie Q. She offered her hand. It was soft and white, the way swans are supposed to be, but never are. I held her grip a beat too long. When we broke, she reached again into her peacoat, and I thought if she offered me any more bourbon, I'd stick her with my breakfast ticket and make tracks, because that much booze would be a stand-in for guilt. Instead, she produced a magic eight ball. It had the heft of an antique. This eight ball says you're the one for the case. These days, toys are made to break. Flimsy, plastic components. Hasty designs, half-assed stickers. When I was a kid, you could shake the magic eight ball. Ask it if the sucker across the table from you ever had a concussion and brain her on the temple hard enough to make her see whole constellations before the thing said, chances are good. Her eight ball was that kind. Three pounds, I'd bet. Did it tell you my rate's 400 a day plus expenses? I'd give you 600 for exclusive rights. Sandra came by with a coffee pot, asked Susie if she needed a cup. Susie shook her head. Sandra crossed her arms and narrowed her eyes. I told Sandra Susie was picking up the tab, so I'd take one of those fancy hot cocos with the whipped topping and Hershey's chocolate syrup. That earned me a wink, and Sandra's winks are something I covet. If I haven't mentioned, Sandra is one of the few people I think of as a friend these days, and she may be the only person on this planet that can outsmoke me. She can squeeze a pack into an eight-hour shift and still serve tables without anyone having to wait for refills. It's more magic than a stupid eight ball, that's for sure. When she left to get my drink, I shot a sidelong glance at Susie so she understood who was boss. I've already got contracts with clients I can't break just to go exclusive, but I'll shelve the cold cases for 75. It was an egregious overreach, but Susie'd done it to herself. Never offer someone more money before you start the negotiation. My jaw almost came unhinged when she agreed to the fee. No haggling? Who has that kind of money? I needed a moment to collect myself. It's a deal. She stared at her hands for a moment, so I thought my easy acceptance had given her a case of buyer's remorse. Was she having second thoughts? I knew she wasn't when she flicked her eyes back up. Desperation's more unmistakable than a smile. Don't you want to know what I'm hiring you for? The urge for one of those shooters began to crowd my thinking. 
At least, that's what I'll blame it on. Lady, for that kind of fee, you could ask me to quit smoking and I'd give it my best effort. I was aiming for a chuckle, but her eyes held that bitter sadness. She fished a locket out of her purse. I wondered how some women carried such big bags all around. Probably, it was a trend started by the chiropractic lobby. She slid the locket across the table. I took it between thumb and forefinger. With gentle pressure, I popped it open. Inside, a picture of a firepoint Siamese stared cross-eyed into the middle distance. His name's Bose Kitty, but everyone calls him just Bose. 750 big ones a day to find a cat? I didn't know whether to be insulted or flattered. Either my reputation preceded me, or this was a new low. Probably both. I didn't want to say something I'd regret. Somewhat more challenging when your vocal cords are constantly lubricated with bourbon. Excuse me for asking, but what makes Just Bose so valuable to you? She swept her hair with the back of her hand, the way people will at customer service employees to show impatience. I guess you've never loved anyone. Susie was sneaky good to look at. Those soft angled features, sharp cat eyes, hair that teased a curl with shots of gray and gave her a distinguished air. I thought of Princess Buttercup. You mock my pain, but played it casual. Loving animals never made sense to me, I guess. With them, you never have to earn it. Now people, on the other hand, the only thing that separates humans from animals is your state of mind. I broke the egg yolk on my plate. It spread like so much blood. Hannibal Lecter might agree. Something felt tangled to me. I swiped a wedge of toast through the yolk and took a big bite. Sometimes regret tastes like butter and eggs. My stomach had all but given up on solids. There's got to be a better reason than some toy telling you to hire me to find your cat. Susie examined the eight ball. I swear it was respect I saw in her eyes. For everything it is, it isn't a toy. Farthest thing from it. She shook it and told me to ask it a question. It was the kind of thing you'd argue against longer than just giving in and playing along. Why did my partner leave me for the governor's office? Susie stopped shaking. She waited for the answer to appear. When I did, she smiled. You must love her. Before I could temper a reply, my anger lashed out. Him! Why does everyone always assume, I'm sorry, your partner? I associated that word with same-sex relationships. We ran the agency together. Did he have feelings for you too? I'd spent the better part of the last months denying my feelings to anyone who came within throwing distance of such an observation. And maybe I was tired of lying. Maybe once. On the second Tuesday of every month. I don't know. I think I thought he did. Fuck it. Your stupid toy. Little white triangle red. Reply hazy. Try again. Why don't we cut the bullshit and talk business? I'm perfectly happy being miserable all by myself in the mornings, and I don't need you to remind me what I lost. Susie reached across the table, plucked up my coffee cup and drained it. It had to have been equal parts Magdalene and coffee. She drew her lips back and sucked air through her teeth. Paint thinner. She replaced the cup. The eight ball doesn't answer questions about love, and it won't give you winning lotto numbers. Whether it knows the picks is a whole other question. I weighed my options. Tease the psychic and risk losing the easiest money of my career. Play along and know I'm the fool. Or buy myself some time to get a little drunker so the answer would be more apparent. I need a smoke. Before I could move to stand, Susie shot her hand across the table and took my wrist. I need your help, Detective Mia. It should be universally obvious that touching me is an act of aggression. Comes with the profession but her hand vibrated at some primal level that made me feel sympathy for her. A, call me Luke. And B, why do you need me if you've got the eight ball? You swear ain't a toy. Susie released her grip. 
might be tough for a person like you to understand, but I love my cat. He's been with me over 10 years. I thought about the logo over Susie's shop. I always thought it was a cat staring into a crystal ball, but zooming in on my memory of the silhouette, I spotted the upright glint of infinity, a cat and a magic eight ball, a person like me. I wanted to tell her I knew more about love than romance poets, and don't act all surprised that I know a thing or two about poetry. Anyways, I snatched the smoke and plucked it between my fingers for comfort and perhaps a sense of urgency. All right, let's step outside. My lungs are burning. You never hear anyone talk about the dying breath of winter the way they do about summer. There's no Indian winter, but whatever it was, the air had a crisp bite to it for being a leg and a hip into spring. Smoke alerted my brain to the situation at hand. So you feel too good for lost cat flyers or what? Susie stood far enough away. I knew she hated cigarettes. Too bad for her. She glanced down the street like she feared being watched. He was abducted. Flyers won't help. I flicked ash. Someone break into your office? Forced entry? Nothing like that. Family member got a grudge? They don't know where I am. Fat chance. I rolled my eyes because people always think they can hide. Be me for a day and you'll get why nobody is invisible. If you had to pick... Who'd want you hurt this way? It's not my family. She pushed the bridge of her glasses square to her nose. Yeah, look, I'm an only child. My mom has emphysema, so bad she's tied to a built-in oxygen tank. And my dad is legally blind. Where defenses are concerned, hers was pretty decent. Maybe they hired someone. I legally changed my last name to Q 12 years ago and my 18th birthday. Pardon me, but I just don't think they'd look that hard. You can hang on to pet theory just so long, pardon the pun, and it's time to move on. I finished my smoke and waved Susie on. Boyfriend? Susie smiled. It was the unmistakable smile of sexual bliss. Right, right. Significant others are more than a tingling in the G-spot. I get it. But I'm just the messenger. That smile said she was nesting with a patient Casanova type. She even twirled a lock of hair behind her ear. He's run himself ragged helping me look for bows and case closed. He was guilty as a priest at a bar mitzvah. I'd explain how I knew, but you all want the drawn-out story regardless. So, let's cut to the chase. Just remember, guilty people work the hardest. We stepped inside the entrance to our building, rounded the lobby to the stairs, and climbed to the second floor, all while Susie gushed about the man who'd finally appreciated her for who she was. I wanted to tell her she was missing the marquee for the back alley. I stopped in front of my office door. It was time to scrape the glass pane and rename the agency. There was no more K in the M&K detective agency, but I couldn't bring myself to accept it. Love and denial must be bedmates in every life. Hey, if the eight ball is everything you say it is, let me ask it a question. Susie lit up like a penny slot, and I wondered if I'd regret asking. She thrust the thing at me. It was every bit as I'd guessed. I shook it and wondered at the smooth action. You couldn't feel liquid sloshing at all. Did Ransom DeLonghi stop by my office two weeks ago? I held the eight ball out before my face and waited for the plastic cube to report. My sources say no. But the thing surprised me. Maybe Susie had a special button she could press that caused the eight ball to give a more personalized reply as a digital readout because the response was not given on the white dye floating in purple liquid. Instead, letters in the shape of an old-fashioned alarm clock printed across the display window and as unnerving as the manner of the display was what it said. With a sharp tool and pep in his step, no less. Ha <laughs> ha. 
All right, and there you have it. So probably if you're anything like me, you had a harder time tracking with dialogue because I really didn't do any voices, and I don't use dialogue tags. Um, that was an interesting experience for me to read my own work like that. Uh, and maybe I will figure out how to use slight voices to signify dialogue because I don't want to use dialogue tags. They're a personal affront to my style. He said, she said, I prefer other ways. So anyways, hope you enjoyed that. If you want to get copies of the books in audiobook form, Exe Sands is reading them. She will be a thousand times better than me, and she's a woman reading a first-person account by a woman. So you're really going to enjoy that voice. I picked her out of a million audiobook readers because her voice, to me, is the voice of Luke. But I hope that you were able to get a sense of what Luke sounds like and her sensibilities and who she is through my reading. Um, it's weird having a woman live inside of your head like this because I really feel like Luke is another person who tells me things. Um, that's probably like one definition of insanity or schizophrenia or something, though she's never told me to like do anything illegal. I convince myself to do the illegal things. Um, anyways, also, sorry, I have a good friend who's schizophrenic. If I was off color there, I apologize. But it's weird to be a, an author and really believe somehow that you've created a character who's taken on a life of her own. And that's how this book feels to me. Really appreciate you listening each and every week. And we'll get back to you on Wednesday with um, a more traditional episode.